Hello and welcome to the Gamers Tavern. This week we talk about live action role playing games. As many of our longtime listeners may remember, I have a bit of an odd history with LARPs and after a bad experience as a teenager, I really haven't played them much. But we have a huge panel with three guests this week and they have to collectively kind of convinced me I, I really need to give it another shot. So without further ado, Grab a drink from the bar and take a seat at the table in the corner, and we'll be right back after this word from our sponsor. DriveThruRPG is the place to go to purchase digital copies of your favorite games. Dungeons & Dragons, Shadowrun, World of Darkness, Savage Worlds, Numenera, Fate, and so many more. Do you long for the feel of actual paper in your hands? Well, they sell physical products too. Just go to GamersTavern.org and click on the link in the show notes to find your favorite games and support the podcast with every purchase. Hello and welcome to episode 37 of the Gamers Tavern podcast. I'm your host, Ross Watson. And I'm Daryl Mott Jr. And tonight we have with us three distinguished guests. We have Mr. Eddie Webb. Hello. Mr. William Thrasher. Hello, everybody. And Mrs. Tammy Keys. Hi, everybody. Tammy is uh, married to Bill, who's been on the show before, and Tammy is also a fantastic game master. Uh, she ran a game called the League of Extraordinary Gentlewomen at uh, Genghis Khan, which is just fantastic. And uh, tonight we're all going to be talking about LARPing, live action role play. So let's get started with what we always do with our, our guests. We do our gaming character sheet. This is basically just a way for you to tell the listeners a little bit about who you are, where they might know you from, and, you know, just kind of do it in the format of a, a character sheet. Uh, let's start with somebody who's done it before, Mr. Thrasher. Yes, my name is William T. Thrasher. I'm a professional game designer, freelance writer, and illustrator. Uh, you may have seen some of my work uh, for Fantasy Flight Games on the Rogue Trader and Death Watch lines. I also am uh, now doing some freelancing work for Paizo. Also do uh, a lot of material for Skirmisher Publishing, uh, which I'm actually in the middle of doing the... Uh, doing the Pathfinder conversion for insults and injuries, this sort of medieval medicine guide. And then outside <laughs> of gaming, I, I'm also the uh, co-host of the Sequel Cast at www.sequelcast.com and also the uh, D-Infinity Live, which is a video podcast about gaming, which is at d-infinity.net. Now, are you an elf? I am currently not an elf, although that is because of a, a, a cursed item that I put on. Oh, you have a cursed item. All right. Uh, and do you have like a class if you had a class? Uh, I guess the, the closest thing I would probably have would be Bard. Ooh, nice. I, I love to hear my own voice. <laughs> it is a buttery smooth radio voice. Oh, thank you. All right. I gotta uh, tell let's... you, check out, check out the D-Infinity webcast if for nothing else than William Thrasher's intros to that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're pretty <laughs> sweet. And, uh, of course we recorded with, uh, Will at Comic Palooza just a few weeks ago. So. Indeed. All right, uh, Mr. Eddie Webb, why don't you tell us what uh, your gaming character sheet? My name is uh, Eddie Webb. I've primarily worked for White Wolf slash Honest Path Publishing, but I have been a game designer and a writer for, uh, oh dear God, oh, over 12 years. Um, I just realized how many years it was. <laughs> um, Sneaks uh, up on you. Yeah, it really does. So are you an anti-Diluvian? Uh, uh, <laughs> no, Methuselah probably, but not quite an anti-Diluvian. Okay. But primarily, I've worked on, uh, I was the developer for Vampire the Masquerade 20th Anniversary Edition. I'm still the line developer for Vampire the Masquerade. 
Um, uh, I was the uh, um, alternative publishing developer, so I helped to kind of uh, move White Wolf uh, into uh, the print-on-demand PDF uh, uh, genre uh, area. Um, I also worked for several years in the video game industry uh, as a content designer for the uh, much-lamented World Darkness MMO, May It Rest in Peace. And uh, now I'm a freelance uh, RPG writer, prose writer. Um, I'm doing some work for uh, Onyx Path, of course, uh, doing some prose writing, um, working for Margaret Weiss Productions on Firefly RPG, and doing some freelance video game writing stuff, which I can't quite talk about yet. And... I think my class right now is probably magic user because my hit points are really low. Well, I, you, you have, I'm sure, several dots in generation as a background. That's true. I, expect, I have to spend blood just to get up in the morning, so. <laughs> I want to give you, like, a on-air fist bump for being a, a fellow writer of contents for a unfortunately canceled MMO. You are not alone. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's painful. I worked on uh, what was called Dark Millennium Online, mm-hmm. which was going to be the 40k MMO, and then it is gone. Right, oh, I, I wonder what that. happened to that. Oh no! Yeah, so hey, you know what? What can I say? There's, there's, it, it happens. Yeah, it does. <laughs> All right, and let's take that takes us to Tammy Keys. Tammy, can you tell us about your gaming character sheet? Um, well, I'm not a writer. I don't have anything published, so I get to to come from a player perspective on all of this. So, in terms of class, I'm a bunny. Uh, married to the evil bunny, <laughs> so so I don't have a lot to tote about except game mastering and playing. And you definitely have a a, a non weapon proficiency in uh, awesome costuming. Oh, thank you. Uh, I I'll take that. <laughs> and you're you're certainly at least uh, one level of time lord, isn't that right? Uh, yes, yes. I can definitely claim one level of time lord. All right. So now we've uh, talked about a little bit about to our listeners about who you guys are and everything. Um, the next step is we're going to talk about what we've been playing lately. Uh, let's start with, I guess we'll go in reverse order. Tammy, what have you been playing lately? Currently, Bill is running a D&D 4th edition Tomb of Horrors. Uh, oh, no. Horror light. Um, <laughs> he's taken out a lot of the, the save or die aspects of it, more story oriented as he is want to do. Conclave of Gamers is coming up in a couple of weeks. I have a Doctor Who Adventures in Time, Time and Space camp, uh, story. I'll be running for that. And I'm also going to see if anybody's interested in learning about games for the next generation. Fantastic. All right, Eddie, what have you been playing lately? Well, I'm still playing in uh, my uh, D&D 4E uh, game. Uh, my friend Ethan Skemp's been running it for a number of years now, and it's very kind of uh, Italian Renaissance swashbuckly game. That's, that's a lot of fun. Um, also, I'm pretty heavily involved in a local uh, live-action scene, hence the topic of this podcast. Um, I played a couple different uh, vampire games out here. Uh, and, uh, I was just at, uh, Andocon, which is a local Atlanta convention, and I ran a really fun one shot there of Cartoon Action Hour. Um, Ooh. uh, you, you ran it running, uh, uh, Darkness Unleashed, which is the, uh, G.I. Joe fights the supernatural cartoon. Nice! Endocon, that was where, uh, I've, I've gotta Co- get in that game. <laughs> Corinne and Sean were at that convention, I remember, because they were, I just edited the podcast that they talked, that Corinne talked about that. Yeah, in fact, oh. they were they're running in my, Justice uh, in Life. Yeah, they were in my Cartoon Action Hour game, and I turned and I got to play in his uh, Shine Tower game, so that was a lot of fun. Sweet, 
All right. Well, you know, it's uh, I've always said the gaming industry is very incestuous, and it's <laughs> just getting smaller all the time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right, Mr. Thrasher, what have you been playing lately? Well, I actually just got back from uh, SukashiCon Louisville Anime Weekend. So I, I got like a month's worth of gaming compacted into into three days. <laughs> uh, and, you know, I, I, I was finally able to play a couple of sessions of Arkham Horror after a very long hiatus. But the real thing that stood out, I probably clocked more time uh, running the tabletop RPG made will let that show. It, like, I just, brought a, I just brought a copy for fun, and it turned out to be the most popular thing. So I was constantly, constantly running it for people. And it's a really fun, really chaotic game. It's actually, uh, it, it's actually from Japan. It's by a Japanese gaming author named Ryo... Uh, Kamlaya, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that correctly, but it's a really fun, really chaotic game where you play domestic servants, and the goal of the game is to be the favorite domestic servant of whatever master you happen to be working for. Were there were there stress explosions? Yes, there were many <laughs> stress explosions. I, I this is my favorite mechanic from Maid. You have a meter of stress, and it fills up with things that happen to you. And when it when it when it hits the top, you you have what's called the stress explosion, and it's different from each character. And what it means is you have to spend the next uh, ten minutes, isn't it, Will? Yeah, it's it's like the next ten minutes or the next full scene. I think whichever of is real time expressing whatever your character does when her stress when her stress explosion meter hits the top, which could mean compulsive shopping. It could mean complaining. Whatever it is, you have the next ten minutes. That's what you have to do, and I think it's great. Oh, I, I love that. It's hilarious. Um, yeah, Mado, it's freaking awesome. Uh, okay, uh, Daryl. As always, I haven't actually played anything, but I'm knee deep in prep for actually playing a crap ton of stuff. Uh, for one thing, we're recording this. This is the first recording we've had since Basic Dungeons and Dragons came out. Oh yeah. So <laughs> I've read that cover to cover about three times and am neck deep in the forums, uh, talking about it, breaking it down, discussing it, finding all the little. All the little things that are everyone's nitpicky griping about when everyone says, I don't like this one teeny tiny little rule, but everything else is awesome. So it's, that's yeah. been a lot of fun. I also got a care package from Paizo, th- uh, courtesy of my Anical News column. And so they sent me a crap load of re- review material. So I'm currently also reading through, uh, the Emerald Spire super dungeon that's cool. coming out and I'm dying to run that. It looks awesome. And I've also got the Pathfinder Adventure card game that I am currently trying to reteach myself. We will we will have to do an episode on D and D five at some point in the future. Very 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 lot, soon. There's a lot to talk about there. Very soon. Okay, uh, I guess that brings it to me. Um, I have been playing in Bill's Fourth Edition uh, Dungeons and Dragons Tomb of Horrors game. Uh, I'm playing a warlord uh, who intends to make an army to conquer the world. Uh, <laughs> that's course. pretty fun. And uh, we're continuing to play our uh, Gamers Tavern game table, which is Shadow of the Bat. Uh, it's set in uh, Gotham City after Batman's been killed. Um, it's pretty exciting. It's in the uh, Batman animated series style, which is pretty fun. It's really fun. So those are my uh, primary games right now. And then in addition, we, of course, still are doing the uh, the Avengers Next Generation game that Bill's running on Skype, um, which is pretty, pretty darn awesome because we're teaming up with the Micronauts. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, it's badass. Uh, we just, we literally just... Uh, Broke down the body banks last game, and now we're going to Calaclack, uh, which is pretty amazing. Will there be a showdown with Baron Karza? Oh, there is. There, you you know there is. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is going to happen. Uh, okay, so that's Tavern Tales. Uh, well, sorry, that's what we've been playing lately, which brings us to Tavern Tales. Uh, Tavern Tales is normally we ask for uh, a really memorable die roll, but because tonight is a special LARP episode, 
I'm going to ask instead for a memorable LARP resolution from each one of you. Uh, Tammy, why don't you start? Can you give us a, a memorable LARP resolution uh, story? Okay, so something that was resolved in a LARP. Um, that does happen, right? Oh, oh yes. There, there's <laughs> between the talking and the costuming, sometimes occasionally stuff happens. Yeah, you know. <laughs> um, ooh, let me think. I don't know if it was an actual resolution, but one of my seventh sea larps at Gen Con, uh, it was called. Dance, dance, Montaigne Revolution. <laughs> I love Plaid Chameleon Games titles. This was awesome. Um, it did take place in Montaigne during the Revolution. It was at a tavern, and it was basically a face-off between two acting troops. And my character was Castile, and I got to do the monologue from the Princess Bride, Inigo Montoya's monologue, where he's explaining his origin story. So I got to do, I got to do that, which I memorized and, uh, performed, performed that with a sword, with a fake sword. Brilliant. Yeah. I bet that was so, a lot of fun. Oh, it was, it was great. I loved it. There's, there's probably a perfect place for Inigo Montoya dialogue. And I would say 7C is probably really close to that. Yep. I kind of changed it to where it would fit into the Seven Sea World. So, and you know, instead of Spain, it was Castile. And right, I, I so. keep biting my tongue not to say any lines because I know that's just going to be a domino getting knocked over in the <laughs> half an hour. That movie and Holy Grail; those are two movies you can never quote from because it just will go on forever. Inconceivable! <laughs> Damn it, Ross! <laughs> Table flip. I'm trying not to talk about the meaning of that word. <laughs> so, um, uh, Will Thrasher. Let us hear, hear about a resolution in a LARP from you. Well, th this is actually one that's, that's very fresh in my mind because it happened uh, just a, a few weeks ago at the Origins Game Fair. We were running uh, an all-ages Doctor Who LARP, and there were sort of two main plots that the villains were involved with, but one of them involved the Master and the Rani trying to raise a Zygon army to take over the Earth, and... So we had, you know, we had multiple Zygon characters and more Zygons being introduced if other people's characters died or if people had, met, like, you know, some, some characters were actually Zygons with amnesia who didn't know they were Zygons. So towards the end of the game, we have a good sized Zygon army and they decide they're going to sneak into the facility and, and help the master who's having a confrontation with the doctor and Torchwood. And they need to sneak into, they don't want anyone to know they're Zygons, so they need, they need to shapeshift into a human form, but the only genetic sample they have is from the ninth doctor. So six Zygons shapeshift into the ninth doctor. <laughs> and then walk into the facility, and then everyone everyone in the facility sees six ninth doctors walk into the room and panic, and the Zygons all get gunned down. <laughs> because no one trusts the ninth doctor six times over. Wow. And, okay, and that that's... took out the entire Zygon army. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. All right, I've left the best. I've I've left hopefully the best for last. Mr. Eddie Webb, can you give us a an, a, res, a resolution in a LARP? Unfortunately, mine isn't funny, but uh, it still really uh, uh, sticks with me. I was in a, a Vampire the Requiem LARP, and I had played a character for about three years. Um, and he was this is part of the the Camarilla fan club, so it was like a huge interconnected club. There were you know thousands of people all over the world playing, and my character had gotten pretty popular in his faction. 
And during one of the conventions, uh, there's a plot line going on where uh, all the vampires can kind of sense each other a bit more than usual. Like, you can feel each other's emotions kind of on the fringes of your perception and the like. And I was like, that's kind of weird. No big deal. Um, I got pulled into a side room. Character was killed in a small side room uh, in a scene. Um, and so I was like, you know, it was, you know, legitimate. And, you know, I, I took a few moments to kind of collect myself. And then I decided to go back in the game and see if he's going. And people are bawling. Oh, crap. What happens? You know, is there something happened? Something horrible happened, uh, you know, in real life? Uh, it, I found out that someone, a storyteller came out and announced that my character had died. <laughs> <laughs> and the characters were just crying, bawling, throwing things at each other. There were just, like, hundreds of people are, are upset at this. And I was just like, oh my god, this is amazing. This many people are having emotional reactions to my character. It was, it was mind-blowing. Was it a premature de- declaration of your death, or was it... No, he was totally dead. He, he, oh, okay. <laughs> I was completely punked out. All right. Well, thank you for that, and... So, and if you want to hear my story, you can go back yeah. to episode zero where I talk about punching a dude in the face, as a <laughs> literally in person. See, the the thing is, like, uh, Daryl and myself, neither one of us has had really good or even, I would say, positive experiences in LARPing. Uh, but we know that lots and lots and lots of people really enjoy it. So we brought you guys onto the show tonight to talk about it, you know, from a, a more positive perspective. Because uh, Eddie, as he said, he's run a lot of uh, vampire-themed LARPs. And Tammy has run a lot of LARP, or been involved in at least a lot of LARPs, uh, for, uh, 7C and Doctor Who, is that right? Uh, 7C, Ponies, and then Bill and I made up our own system for kind of a host your own murder mystery type. And, uh, Will Thrasher, uh, has ran some, uh, Warhammer 40k LARPs. Oh, and (laughs) among other things, yes, many Warhammer 40k LARPs. Awesome. So these are the reasons why we brought you guys on the show tonight, because our topic is about LARPing. And I'm going to throw this out to the guests in general. What makes live-action roleplay different from tabletop roleplay? Well, I guess I'll, I'll shoot first on that one. I guess the, the two the two big things that, that jump out for me, one, you have so much more license to really be a ham in a LARP. Which is something I really appreciate. I mean, there's only, there's only so much physical action you can do at a table as far as gesticulation and body posture goes. But when you're up on your feet and you can act and bring life to your character with your whole body, that just brings so much more amazing immersion, both for myself as a player and all the other players involved. And then the other thing is that it's just, it's a type of role playing that gets so many more senses involved. You're not just talking and imagining. You're looking at costumes. You can feel the weight and the texture of a prop in your hand. You can do things with smell and sound and touch and taste that that don't work nearly as well in a tabletop game. I, I know for me also, uh, it's it's a sense of scale too. Um, certainly there have been some really great, fantastic, small, intimate LARPs, um, which are fun in their own way, but it's one thing when you're at a tabletop and you're playing, I'm going to set up my political machinations against the king or the prince or whoever, and that's another NPC, and then you have all of his NPCs that you're interacting with they are basically just different faces of, of the game master, which is, a talented game master can be amazing at that, but it's still just one person. But to actually have all those people be separate players with their kind of intensity and their focus on what their character goals are, um, and, and the fact that you can have these intricate webs of uh, of intrigue and emotional connection and relationships, uh, it, it adds another level that it's sometimes harder to achieve in a tabletop game just because there's so many different personalities all in the same space 
you know, working together to collaborate. Um, I found that there's a lot less off-topic discussion in a LARP because you are in character the whole time and you're not really distracted by, you know, what's, what's going on with, with, what's going on in the other room, unless you're actually supposed to be there. So you get all of your socializing done before they call curtain, so to speak. And then you're just really going and going and going to achieve that story. And you're in character pretty much the whole time. Those are all really great points. And it, you know, I've got to admit, I've always wanted to, you know, enjoy a LARP. It's always looked like something I I think uh, I could really get into. I just uh, never really, uh, I guess, had that opportunity. So, what are some different kinds of LARPs? There's, uh, in my experience, there are kind of three rough categories that are generally recognized, and there's some subdivisions in there. A lot of LARPs that it seems like we've been talking about are generally kind of salon LARPs, um, which is you dress up in costume, but primarily conversation and a, a, a light to moderate mechanical system is used to resolve things. Um, it's probably the closest to a tabletop dynamic in that respect. Um, and then you have uh, what are called buffer LARPs, and those are LARPs in which uh, physical contact is actually the main form of resolution. So you use padded swords, foam balls, uh, uh, you know, the kind of the infamous uh, online video of lightning bolt, lightning bolt, lightning bolt. That's a buffer LARP. Um, and then a third one's been evolving. Uh, it's, it's still called Nordic LARP from where it came from, primarily in the Scandinavia, um, but it is kind of spreading out further from that area, and that's much more intensely immersive to try to cut away any remnants of the outside reality. So costuming is very, very elaborate. Set is very, very elaborate. There's, mechanics are either non-existent or extremely minimal and somehow integrated into a narrative. Um, and it's really kind of a very highly intense improvisational theater rather than uh, something a little more mechanical from the other two styles. I've never heard of Nordic LARP. That's really cool. Yeah, um, it's, uh, uh, I actually had some uh, friends who uh, I worked with in CCP from Finland and Sweden and uh, that area, and um, they ended up giving me a, a book called Nordic LARP that some of the people there actually wrote to talk about the history of it. And it turned out it came from a Vampire the Masquerade game. I want to say Helsinki, but I'm not 100% sure on that. And it just got, you know, like 150, 200 people, and they got very frustrated because there were the limitations of this game. They couldn't go as deep as they wanted to, so they started to experiment with that, and other people were experimenting with buffer LARPs on the other side, trying the same kinds of things, and they started to kind of merge in a lap, and, and this third form evolved from the the first two styles into this, and uh, one of the best examples I've put it out to people, um, my friend Martin Erickson, about a year and a half ago, ran a Battlestar Galactica LARP in this style, and they actually rented out in Sweden... Uh, oh, old, yeah, I saw this, some of this, yeah. Yeah, they rented out this old uh, ship um, and, you know, turned the entire inside into the Battlestar Galactica set, basically, and they got all the costumes, and it was, you know, this, this from start of the game to the end of the game, they were completely their characters, running down hallways and pushing buttons and screaming at each other, but that was uh, at, to be as immersive as possible, you know, and that's, you know, extremely expensive form of LARP, but you know, certainly it's, it's one of the most intense. Yeah, well, I've been to Finland, um, oh, and yeah. those guys take their gaming very, very seriously. So <laughs> I take almost heard. everything very seriously. I got a Swedish friend. Well, you know, to be fair, Finland and Sweden are different countries, but um, yeah, they, they take they their are, gaming very serious. Scandinavia in general. Yeah. Uh, now, Tammy, would you say that your murder mystery dinner party uh, thing is that probably a, a slightly different form than these things we've been talking about? 
No, not really, because um, we tried... The, the main thing that makes any LARP work is very simple mechanics because you don't want to be bogged down with dice and sheets and sheets of papers and character sheets and stuff. So we basically had like a one-page sheet just that they could refer to in terms of, you know, your skills and, you know, if person's A skill ha- was higher than another person's, they, they succeeded. So, yeah, so I think it's more of the, the, the salon LARP that Eddie was talking about. Well, I think it's fair to say that the guests and stuff that we're talking, you know, pretty much all of us, um, we're not super buffer LARP people, is that right? For the most part, um, I, I started off in Buffer LARP, interestingly enough. Um, oh, really? Yeah, I had been heavily involved in uh, D&D and uh, Marvel superheroes back in the early 90s. Or, sorry, late 80s. Just have to make sure I'm as old as possible. And <laughs> so right around the turn of the 90s, I, I saw this idea, this, this thing where it's a live-action D&D game. Like, oh, that sounds really cool. I like D&D. And so uh, I got into a year or so of uh, Buffer LARP. And then that's uh, right around the time uh, that Vampire the Masquerade tabletop game came out, and so I immediately dropped all that. Like, this is this is now the new amazing thing because I was you know rebellious and angsty and wanted to kind of dig into that. And uh, I was lucky enough to actually get into an early playtest of the Vampire live action rules at University of Akron. Um, so that's kind of where I got sucked in through that route. But uh, but it was interesting because a lot of the people there were going from the tabletop to. Uh, salon LARP dynamic, and I was going the opposite. I was going for the buffer LARP to, you know, salon LARP dynamic. So I was being much more physical with some of the people because they weren't sure what to do with their bodies. They were all sitting around tables because I was the dynamic they were used to. No one had really done this before. And I was running around and being a maniac, and they had to keep telling me to calm down and, and not hit people. And it was a very interesting uh, cultural exchange for me. Well, thank God you've grown out of your rebellious, angsty phase. <laughs> no, now they just pay me to write rebellious, angsty stuff. <laughs> That's the way to do it. So here's a question I'm going to throw to Will, actually. Yep. Uh, do you think that the Society for Creative Anachronism counts as a LARP? I would say, and I've only had limited experience with the SCA, but I would say it's close enough that even if they wouldn't identify it as a LARP, I would. I would agree with that, Look, just from the outside looking at it. If I'm not mistaken, they're actually really playing characters per se. They're just no, no, they are. Do, they are playing a characters. A lot of them at do least use personas. Yeah, the ones okay. I know, the, the the friends of mine who are in the SCA and, and do things with it, they have like their character that they play in the SCA. That's why I asked. I wasn't sure. So, all right, so we've talked about like you know kind of what it is and what the different types are. Let's tell the listeners because uh, I think the next question they would want to ask is how does a LARP work. Because I always wondered that for a long time before I got into it is, sure, you're standing around talking, playing a game, but there's mechanics to it and other stuff. And it always confused me until I tried it once. So, Well, well it still confuses me, and I've tried it a couple of times. Yeah. <laughs> as, as far as, as how it works, I mean, that, that really is the challenge. Uh, a lot of the reason why I organize the LARPs I do and, and the way in which I do them has to do just with the fact that most of my early LARP experiences were very, very negative. And I, I felt, well, I know I should be having fun, but I'm not. <laughs> why is that? And, and so, so as, as far as like getting it to work, I mean, you know, right off the bat, you do need to figure out how important you want the rules to be. And what I always tell people when we're, we're prepping for a game is that the rules are like karate. We have them so that we never have to use them. <laughs> you know, that it, I, I find that in general, a, 
LARPs work so much better when you try to resolve as much as possible just through straight role play. And then, you know, you, you have the rules as a backup for when you get to those, that handful of circumstances that can't be resolved through straight role play. And if do right, no can defend. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then, you know, keeping, keeping the rule simple means that you can get to that resolution real quickly and then get back to the role, the straight role play and keep things progressing. Beyond that, to keep things, to keep things going, you've got to, and, and you've got to have interesting conflicts. And one thing that, that my group Kettlefish Production does, which is different from what a lot of like World of Darkness LARP groups do, for, uh, for example, is that we only use pre-made characters. We pre-make everybody's character. We will often do it by request, but in general, the character you play will be pre-written, and we will we will design that character specifically so that there are potential conflicts between that character and at least half of the other characters that are going to be in the game. <laughs> yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, and and that those and that those conflicts are always something more than physical. It is very rare that we have a character that just wants to murder another character. Uh, the conflicts are all based around property, politics, uh, the fate of the fate of nations, personal honor, like th- things that you can't really represent on a character sheet. You know, things that are bigger than the characters themselves, and that makes the conflict so much more rich and interesting, and gives them enough momentum that they can last from the beginning to the of the game until the end. So, would you say what what's important about characters is what's at stake? Yes, the the two the two biggest things for me with a character is what that character's general attitude is and what is at stake for that character. The way I always like sort of think of it is that, you know, okay, well, this character is a tough guy with a heart of gold who is trying to win back the hand of his lady fair or something like that. In my head, when I'm thinking of a character, I always kind of have one or two personality traits and like one or two big important goals. Uh, one thing I've told a lot of people who are trying to get into LARPs is that Goals and conflicts are the currency for a good LARP. You basically, you need to have a goal that you want, and there has to be somebody else who's going to stop you from getting that goal. And in a tabletop game, we almost kind of internalize that because a lot of the goals and the conflicts sits on the opposite side of the GM screen. In a live action game, other players need to be those keepers. Like like uh, Will said, I mean, you know, there's some great LARPs where they have those kind of pre-constructed characters. When you're going into a game where uh, you're making your own character. I've found it's it's a lot easier if I walk into the game and start asking people, what are you looking for? Is there a bad guy I can be or a love interest or a brother or something I can fill your you know, a, a character void with to be that conflict for you. And then usually from there, I find something interesting and fun from that dynamic. So when you try to come in and, and make a character that is super awesome at everything and can never do anything wrong, usually I find those are the most boring LARPs to play in. What about you, Tammy? When you make characters, or do you do pre-gents? For the, for the one that we made, we, the first one we ever did, we actually had our friends make the characters. Within, we, we set up the story and kind of gave them some guidelines to do that. Um, but then they made their own characters. And for the seven sea LARPs that I've been in, they've always been pre-generated characters. And there's lots of people in those LARPs. We're talking 20, 30, 40 people. And the one thing that I always do is, you know, sometimes the overall plot is just so big that I find, okay, I have this goal. And it's going to take me four hours just to get this goal done. No matter what else is going around on with the other, you know, 20 people I'm not going to interact with. But 
going, you know, just like in life, there's other things going on, but you, you're focusing on, on what do I have to get done to achieve this for, for my character. Well, I want to ask a question to you guys because uh, something that happens, you know, at tabletop, for example, is you can have a guy who's really outgoing, who's really social, and, and all gaming is social, but I mean LARPs even more so. Right. You got a guy who's like really, really good at being like a social person as a player, and then his character may not actually have charisma worth a damn, right? Or you have the alt, you have, you have the opposite. You have someone who's not really very outgoing, who's kind of quiet and shy, but they have the face character. You know what I mean? How do you guys adjudicate those kinds of things in a LARP environment? There's a thing that, that we do is, one, is that we don't presume that the character you're playing is any more naturally, more or less naturally charismatic or intelligent as you are. You know, it, the, the, you know, we don't, we don't have like a, a social, we tend to not have any kind of real social mechanic. So if you get a character and you decide you want to play that character as Mr. Charisma, and that's what you're comfortable with, then that's how you'll play it. We won't put up any roadblocks. But likewise, if you're not comfortable with being social and outgoing, we're not going to have the character pre-designed to be social and outgoing, so you can play it that way. That being said, LARPs being all so heavily based on that kind of uh, out-there character interaction, we will very often uh, give the face character or the leader character to the shyest person because that helps – that tends to help get them in the game. It's very rare that you'll find someone <laughs> Throw who's Throw them in the deep end, huh, Will? <laughs> 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 it's sort of, but the other thing is, you know, if, if you, if a, if a shy person's got a shy character, they won't interact with anyone all night and there will be, they won't have any fun. But if you are a, if you're a shy person, but you're playing the starship commander, everyone's going to be coming to you. Everyone's going to be asking you for orders and for advice and for directions. And, you know, you you can still give one word answers, but it starts to, it still creates that kind of character interaction. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I know one thing that uh, I've seen in my years of playing live action, uh, I've run into a lot of people who have uh, problems like Asperger's and other uh, problems with, you know, being social or, or having social cues. And they have found that being in a LARP is therapeutic because not only are they constantly exposed to social cues and how to interact with people, but also there's less stress. If I go in as my character and I see something horribly offensive, then it's my character. And, you know, afterwards, no one's offended. Oh, hey, you know, that that really racist character you played was awesome. It's like, yeah, <laughs> that was my character, you know. Oh, um, wow. But, I mean, you know, it, and that's an extreme example. But, I mean, the point is, is that, you know, the, they feel like, okay, well, I could try again. I, you know, it's not like I've burned that bridge. I can never speak to that person again. I can actually try again, learn from the experience and grow. And I have seen multiple people you know, uh, who I would never have known had any kind of social problems or, or social illness. Uh, it, because they have been playing a live action game and they're so confident. And a lot of it is like Will said. I mean, um, if you put those uh, a shy, awkward people into positions of power, they learn really quick. Um, and because it's under the frame of uh, fun, as it were, um, they're not as terrified. They're not as upset. And then they start to fake it fake that confidence because they're playing a game. And eventually that confidence becomes real and becomes a part of their personality as, as real people. What about you, Tammy? Do you, have you seen this kind of thing come up? I think so. I'm pretty much a shy person myself and and I try to to take a character and just run with it and and go the as much fun and far out from myself as I can and 
So it, it does, it's kind of fun because yeah, you do have that, you know, this is a character and I actually had some players apologize to me after a LARP for being rude to me. And I'm like, it's a game. You're <laughs> supposed to be rude. <laughs> and actually relate, related to that, you know, a lot of it also kind of has to do with, with, you know, good sportsmanship and a willingness to play along because, you know, if, uh, if if you've got you know a, a shy awkward or really any any kind of person, but they're really sort of camping it up and acting like the most sexy, the most charismatic, the most whatever person in the world, you know if you take that as a cue to play along and you react to them as if they were the most charismatic or, or sexiest person in the world, that's also good and that that elevates the level of the game. So you're you're kind of saying that LARP a lot is a lot like improv and you need to not block. Yes someone else's you know shtick exactly yeah Yeah. okay it's it's very much improv because you never know how the other players are going to react to something you do and you've got to come up with dialogue on the fly well let's uh let's 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 explore that a little bit let's say we are have organized a larp let's say we've got characters and everybody's assigned a character how do we game master a larp well, the first thing you do is you have to have a story, obviously. Right. You know, the Queen of Guild is dead. We have to find out who killed her, or by the end of the four hours, we're all dead. Okay. So, I, you have the context, the, the Game Masters provide right. context. Okay. As, as far as, you know, gaming in the moment at the event, I, I find that generally, once the game gets going as a GM, I can stand back. Yeah. Because most of what's going to be going on is going to be based on the role play and the straight character interaction. And I can just kind of wait in the corner of a room for when a player comes to me with a specific question or a specific request. And as the game progresses, you know, I tend to get more of those interactions with the players simply because more things get revealed, more things are at stake, more players want to do things that might be outside of the scope of, of face-to-face role play. If you do it well, your LARP will, for the most part, run itself. Yeah, and that's one of the weird paradoxes of of LARPs is that it, it's the most logistically intensive. It requires a lot more upfront preparation. Requires usually a staff of some kinds uh, to help you out with it. But if it's going really well, a lot of what storytellers are doing is sitting around and watching and waiting for the moment where you know they need to step in and kind of nudge things back on course or uh, help somebody out or quickly resolve a challenge. Um, and certainly there have been some amazing games that I've run where I've been sitting in the corner for like an hour or two just watching with glee as people were r- ramming into each other with their personalities. <laughs> um, so it's weird because like you do have to do a lot of upfront work and, and you do have to have a lot of people around, but um, sometimes you need them and sometimes you don't. So what are you looking for when you're a game master? I mean, obviously safety is a big concern. How how do you, you know, what what are the rules as far as that goes? I think the number one rule is um, no physical contact or very light physical contact. We're in each other's face, but we don't want to be, be literally in each other's face. We have to respect that, that distance and personal space, even much so in a LARP when things can get hot and exciting and and emotions really can run high. Well, this is starting to sound more and more attractive to me. <laughs> uh, uh, it was interesting because uh, for a while uh, when I was running, uh, I, I ran with basically only consensual contact with the idea that, uh, you know, basically, you know, if you want to shake hands with somebody, if you want to tap to the shoulder, if you know somebody really well and you want to have a little more physicality in your play, 
you know, as long as both of you are on the same page, it's fine. And then I did not see, but I heard about a couple of characters who became romantically involved and decided to have various consensual contact, and I decided I had to revise my rules slightly to be a little more clear. Uh-huh. Um, okay, then. <laughs> yeah. Were, yeah they, that, were they getting explicit in public? or Not in public, but they had gone back to their room and, and, and uh, had some time together, but uh, uh, they were in character the whole time. So well, there's nothing really wrong with that. No, it's per not. Se. I mean, but it did it did open up the gates for okay, you know, in this space we have certain kind of uh, interaction rules, and then which in your privacy of your own space is fine. But I I was just envisioning uh, someone kind of going too far and saying, oh well, we're in a game space, and it's a LARP, not an orgy, right? And and uh, so, uh, but I mean, uh, again, it also depends a little bit on, on the kind of LARP too, because obviously, bought for LARPs do have a much more physical elements and their safety precautions are much more on the weapons they create and the weapons they use to make sure that those are, are safe and not cause any problems. Um, and the Nordic style of LARP uh, have some very sliding rules on, on uh, physicality. Uh, and even the SCA, uh, if we qualify them as a LARP, they use uh, uh, you know, full armor and sometimes even live steel. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, that it can go to that end, um, but for a lot of LARPs that, that we're kind of talking about here, um, usually we're talking at the level of, like, say, a handshake or a hug is probably about the outside limit of physical contact. You know, we talked on this show before about safety and, and its relation to fun, and that, you know, and this is at least my belief, is that most people tend to have fun when they feel safe. Yeah. But at the same time, there is a type of fun that is all about sort of pushing those boundaries and... You know, seeing just how far, you know, it, it, it can be, you know, a little, a little unsafe can be quite fun, actually. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I imagine it's going to depend on, like you said, what type of LARP it is and maybe even the tone or style of the LARP. And there's actually a, a LARP that did, instead of rule that I only get to play with once, I really want to try. Um, they gave everyone a yellow, uh, note card. And, uh, whenever the situation was getting too emotionally tense or if there was a trigger or something like that, you could just put the yellow card down and walk away. Yeah, because safety, I mean, I think as a game master, that should probably be one of your primary concerns, right? Is to make sure everybody's safe, having a good time, et cetera. It is, but right? a lot of the danger is, is emotional safety. Right. Uh, 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 and that's something that's, that's hard to see, especially when a lot of those things are happening in small private corners and whatnot. And it's something that I know has been a, a regular problem just throughout the community um, is people get very emotionally, it's very intense uh, and then you have these in-character relationships that sometimes can bleed uh, into out-of-character relationships um, and cause problems. And so having a, a nice, unobtrusive way to say, I am not playing anymore, I need to get out of here uh, without disrupting anybody else's play, and people just kind of quietly nod and ignore the yellow card and move on, to, you know, basically move around uh, uh, that situation and go into other stuff. I, I haven't seen a lot of it, but I think that kind of thing is a really great way to ensure people's safety so that they feel like they have the ability to uh, uh, skirt the edges of, of emotional safety, but still have that blanket say, you know, they say, no, I, I, at any point in time, I can say no, and everyone will respect that. And, well, it does keep you from getting punched in the face by Daryl. <laughs> you keep alluding to this story, and I'm, I'm <laughs> curious now. Uh, I'm going to have to tell it again, aren't I? Cliff Notes version. <clears throat> I'm playing Bruja. I'm college-age kid. I'm college-age teenage asshole. And this uh, this guy comes up to me, and he's got his hands crossed over his chest. I know that means he's invisible, so we're talking, but the guy's, like, invading personal space. And I'm like, dude, can you back up? I, you can't see me. I'm obfuscated. 
I'm like, yeah, I understand that, but can you back up? And I'm still kind of new. This took me a while to remember, put my hand on my head, say out of character. So like, can you back up a little bit? Because it's like you're crowding. It's like, you can't see me. I'm a few skates. He's a real estate. You can't see me. So I'm a few skates. You can't see me. And so I'm like, this goes back and forth. Well, and finally I just go, okay. And I go back to my conversation and go, yawn, stretch. And I pop him in the nose. I say, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't see you there. You must have been obfuscated. <laughs> oh. Wow. <laughs> they threw my ass out. I, I probably would have too, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I deserved it. It was a moral uh, victory, though. Right, no, totally. Oh, yes. Does anybody have a story that you want to share about uh, safety at a LARP or anything like that? I've got two. I'll, I'll, I'll get rid of the most gruesome one uh, uh, quickly. Uh I used to do, I used to, uh, be on the staff of, uh, TerraWorks, which was a science fiction military simulation LARP, where we would actually build, like, a set of, like, a space station or a colony or, like, a derelict starship, and the players would go through with airsoft guns, and we would have people hidden in the simulation dressed as zombies or aliens or survivors, and they would have to do different military missions in, in this set. And so the last year I did this, uh, we were, you know, doing the simulation and we had this kind of town square for the colony and we had these sort of like greenhouse style buildings set up and the firefight broke out and someone got it into their heads that we had a grenade prop hidden in one of those greenhouse type buildings. Uh So this one guy ran for one of the greenhouse buildings to find this grenade prop and he just, you know, didn't didn't sort of judge the space between the, the, the pipes that held the whole thing up correctly and ran headfirst into one of the pipes. Ow. Uh, you know, he uh, knocked, knocked. I don't know if he was unconscious, but it not, certainly knocked the wind out of him. Uh, had a, it, uh, you know, it, got, it got pretty bloody. You know, we had a first aid person on site, thankfully. We got it resolved really, really quickly. But, you know, that's just an example of it was, it was a very physically active LARP. And things just got so intense that in the moment, the, the person kind of, the person, the player didn't hold back. And as, as a result, there was what was thankfully a minor injury. But, you know, thankfully. I played in one of those at Gen Con. Oh, yeah. You, you played in the TerraWorks? Yeah. Yeah. And, and thankfully, I mean, thankfully, you know, the other, when it happened, we were very fortunate that the other players, you know, immediately dropped out of character and we didn't even have to tell them that it was a timeout. They just waited for us to get our first aid guy over. And so the whole thing got resolved really quickly and we were able to get the remaining players back in the game. And that was great. Uh, the other, the, the other safety issue that we had once, and, and this just, just kind of my advice to, to a, a player. If you're not feeling up to the LARP, you don't have to show up. Yeah. Uh, oh. <laughs> and, and I say that because we were doing a space pirate LARP and just as the climax for the LARP was about to begin, one of the players doubled over in pain and, and just started like, and just curled up in a ball on the floor and, and, and started groaning and, and screaming. And so we had to stop. This was, there was, it was like a 30 person game. We had to kind of stop and corral 30 people to get them away from her while we sent a runner to the hotel front desk to call an ambulance and where we were rounding up her other friends who were, who were at the event because she was part of a group and, 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 and the whole time she's like, no, we can keep going. You don't need to call an ambulance. It was, the, it was the weirdest thing. And what we found out, we, uh, we ran into one of her friends the next day 
what we found out was that she had actually been having chest pain starting the morning before. Oh, wow. And and it had been getting steadily worse. And what it had turned out is she had a cyst in one of her lungs that just, it burst during the game. Oh. And... And it was like, and, and it was one of those things because, you know, this is a 30 player game that we actually never got to finish because we had to keep the floor clear so the paramedics could come in. Yeah. And, you know, it, and if, if she had sat out the game or thought to, you know, take care of some medical stuff before then, then, you know, th- those are 30 people who would have gotten a satisfying climax to that event. Instead of one of those stories. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. That's a, that's an interesting story. So, Safety-wise, we've talked, you know, we've talked about a bunch of stuff, uh, regarding, you know, emotional safety and things like that. But one of the things that LARPs are really, you know, extremely well known for, I would say possibly the, they're, one of the things they're most well known for is, uh, the costumes. Uh, what can we, what, what would you tell our listeners about costumes, the relationship between costumes and LARP? Well, costumes help you get into character. That's one of my best, my main things for going in costume is to help me get into character. For one of the seven sea LARPs, I actually made a tabard for Knight of the Rose on the Cross. Sweet. Because you were like a musketeer? Yes, I was in nice. charge of the chapter house. I was one of the people in charge of the chapter house. So I actually made a tabard to help me get into character and show I'm in charge here. Sometimes if you're not on top of things, your costume might not actually fit. And then you've also have to keep in mind that you are going to be running around, so you should be able to move in it. <laughs> yeah, that's that would be very important as well. I think I've seen uh, more corsets at a LARP than I have almost anywhere else in my life. Except uh, possibly a Renfair. Uh, but uh, what, what for things- some reason, they both top goth clubs. <laughs> yeah, that's really strange. But one of the things that uh, I've learned over the years is that there's actually a psychology behind this. Studies were done with people who um, would dress up for interviews versus people who wear normal clothes. There was another study where uh, they watched people who jaywalked in street clothes versus people who jaywalked wearing suits. And uh, uh, time and again, they found that not only people who dress up, but they feel more confident and they feel more like the image they want to embody, but also other people react to them as if they are that image. So not only does costuming help you get into character, but it does actually ease the transition for other people to react to you as the character you want them to react to you as. So even if people know me very well, they're still going to treat me a little bit differently if I'm wearing a leather jacket and a torn t-shirt versus I'm wearing a suit and a tie. And I guess that's where like having a pre-gen would really help someone who wants to make a costume ahead of time. Yes. And actually, I... That's something I've noticed over the past three years. I've had more questions about costuming during the prep for our games than just than, than about setting or character to the point where I've actually had people, you know, send me an email saying, okay, I have the following three costumes. Do you have anything that that costume would work for? Yes. And <laughs> I've had, I've had lots of players who, who sort of determine what they want to play based around what they can costume. And I'm, I'm kind of of two minds about this because I, I love, love, love costumes and costumes of, you know, of, of all, of all levels, whether it's just coming in dressed a little bit fancy or having like a full period raiment on. I absolutely love that. But, you know, my, my belief has always been costuming shouldn't be required, but it's, but it should be encouraged because it does bring up the level of the game. But like, 
when I'm a player, the costume is actually the last thing I'm thinking about. I'm more thinking about my persona, how I'm going to act, what conflicts I'm going to have. For, for for me, the costume is the last thing on my list. But also, I like to, to improvise. So even my costumes are improvised. I'll just really quickly go through my closet and see, yeah, this works, and, and you know, throw an ensemble <laughs> together. But a lot All of right. people are much more intense about that. And as a GM, I you know, I have I have to respect that because I know lots of people are going to approach my games that way. We're going to take a quick break here so I can tell you a little bit about Audible. I mentioned last week that we're recording a actual play podcast of the new edition of Dungeons & Dragons using the starter set. And of course, I'm already in love with it. We started recording this and oh my god, it's so much fun. The adventure that's in there is actually set in the Forgotten Realms and as you may know, there's a big event going on in the realms right now called the Sundering. Now, the Sundering is being described both in the adventure paths that are coming out from D&D as well as a series of novels, and Audible has them all right now. You can get The Companions by R.A. Salvatore, The Godborn by Paul S. Kemp, The Adversary by Aaron M. Evans, The Reaver by, you know, former guest Richard Lee Byers, The Sentinel by Troy Denning, and The Herald by Ed Greenwood. All of these are available right now, and if you want to take a look at the future of where the realms are headed, we're going to give you one of these books for free. All you have to do is go to audibletrial.com slash gamers tavern, and you can get a free trial of Audible, including a free audiobook. And if the realms aren't really your thing, Audible has one of the largest selections of audiobooks on the internet all ready for you. So just head to audibletrial.com slash gamers tavern now to get your free book. And with that, back to the show. And we're back with episode 37, talking about live action role play with Eddie Webb, William Thrasher, and Tammy Keys. Uh, we just got done talking about costumes. So I think the next thing I would want to throw out there for the listeners is they probably want to know what's the best way to get started in live action role play. As a player or as a game master? Well, let's start with uh, being a player. Like, what do I need? Uh, I will say, uh, as as a, a player, all you really need is, one, a pencil, just because you should always have a pencil on you when you're gaming. You never know when you might want to take a note or you where you'll have to mark something off on your sheet. But the biggest thing you need as a player is just, you know, no fear that you're going to make a fool of yourself because you know, <laughs> LARP, LARPing, I will, I will freely admit, LARPing looks very silly from the outside. It does. But most mm-hmm. human endeavors look silly from the outside. <laughs> and go go in realizing that the only people you're going to make a fool out of yourself uh, in front of are all the other LARPers, and they're in the exact same boat as you are, and they just want to have a good time doing it. I always thought that the mechanic in the old Mind's Eye Theater being uh, playing rock, paper, scissors to resolve stuff was always either to get over that or to make you look so ridiculous that you never, ever tried to do a skill challenge ever. <laughs> little column A, little column B. <laughs> I think as a player, you also have to have a really good imagination because a lot of it, unless you are really fully immersed into a set, is you have to imagine, okay... I am in a ballroom, or I am in a tavern in Montaigne, or I am in a castle. While you do have some props, you still have to use your imagination as to 
filling kind of the spaces. Yeah, and also uh, when you go to a game, uh, I, the first thing I tell people is find the person who can answer questions for you because any good LARP should be more than happy to help new people learn and, and answer questions for them. And usually even a lot of the established players will help as well. But there is a kind of awkward, am I interrupting you flavor that until you get into a LARP, you're not really sure when it's okay and not okay to ask questions. So find the storyteller or a narrator or some person that you know you can go to and say, hey, I have questions. Uh, find them as fast as possible and then don't be afraid to use that resource. And then, you know, just fi- also just find find a good game. I would say the the best place to look for a LARP probably is a convention. So just you know yeah. keep tabs of the gaming conventions or other conventions. And there's actually I, I've discovered going now to more anime conventions. There's actually a growing LARP community in anime conventions. So you know find a convention that's got a LARP. Find your way in and you know use that as your first experience. Back in in college when I really seriously started LARPing. There was, uh, within my gaming circles, a lot of overlap between people who were into anime and would do cosplay and people who wanted to do live-action role-playing. Yeah, I've always wondered because I know cosplay is getting much, much bigger, and I've not seen commiserate growth in in live-action. I've always wondered at some point in time if there wasn't going to be a a singularity of of (laughs) idea where it's like, oh, hey, we could portray these characters with other people playing these characters. And so I'm kind of curious to see where that overlap stuff happening. So if it's popping up at anime conventions, that's probably the most likely place where that would start to kind of burgeon more. One thing I want to bring up about, uh, we just talked about venue. We talked about conventions being the place uh, you can find them. Some of my negative experiences with LARPs have been, as someone who's outside of the LARP, finding the LARP sort of crowding me in different portions of the convention when I am not a participant. Mm. Have you guys ever uh, encountered anything of this nature? I know whenever we've done, whenever I've been in a 7C LARP, it's like we have a set area and we very much try to stay in that area because that's what's been assigned to us as not to be disruptive to to other players. So at at least the ones that I've been in, we, we, we very much try to restrict ourselves to our space. Yeah, it's, uh, I, I say in general, having a controlled environment where you can do your game is very important, uh, both in terms of what you can do with lighting and effects and set dressing, but also just because within that controlled environment, you know who's playing, you don't have to, you don't really have to worry about about the game bleeding over into real life or real life bleeding over into the game. That being said, when we, because I, I have been involved in some games that have been semi-public or, or totally in, in the public, and whenever we do that, we always give out some additional guidelines to our players. Uh, and, you know, the, the short the short version is no freaking the norms. You yep. know, don't do anything... <laughs> That's gonna make it. That's gonna make you or the hobby look bad. Uh, if if the game if the game connects with the public in some way, you know the you're you're playing. You know who else is playing. Even though we're playing in plain sight, no one else is playing. So don't interact with them as if you expect them to be completely in on what's going on. Don't frustrate them. Don't annoy them. And also, you know, just just be prepared uh, in case real life does lead into the game. We were doing a. Uh, I had a friend of mine who was who was flipping a house, and during that process, was nice enough to let me host LARPs in the house that he was flipping. And there was one night we're in the middle of a game. The county sheriff uh, came knocking on the door, ah. <laughs> and, and and like and and half the players were like, "Wait, wait a minute." Is this a person that I arranged to show up dressed as a sheriff? 
And, wow. You know, it, it, it was, it was the, it was then, you know, nothing was going on. There was just, there, there, someone, a, a person who had violated parole had falsely, had falsely listed my friend's flipped house address as their own address. Uh, and that's who the wow. county sheriff was looking for. I actually have a related anecdote for the Don't Freak the Norms idea. When uh, I was involved uh, at the University of Akron um, after the playtest, we ended up running a full chronicle there in about 2000, or sorry, 93. Um, I ended up being one of the storytellers. And a uh, uh, non-traditional student comes in, an older guy comes in. He's like a student at the university and wants to start playing. So he starts playing. And he's playing a government agent character. And we're like, okay, no big deal. He's playing government agent Great Brace of Vampires, pretty common trope, especially for the 90s. Um, but he has a lot of interesting information, and we're like, this guy's really good. There's a lot of research. That's impressive. And a few months later, he uh, asked if we could talk to the storytellers privately, and so we pull him into a room, and he's like, um, so uh, I met you with the FBI. Uh, your group's put on a watch list, and I'm investigating. Um, <laughs> but I'm having so much fun I don't want to go biak yet so can I play with you guys for a few more months before I file my reports <laughs> <laughs> your tax dollars at work ladies and gentlemen <laughs> oh, that's so funny. I'm, I'm wonderful like, I'm not going to freak the norms anymore I know we, we, it was a very good game for that respect okay so if I want to play a LARP the bare minimum I need is basically a pencil Mm-hmm. And a willingness to not, you know, to be silly or to look silly. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some things I need? I should really, you know, probably plan on getting as soon as I can. Probably a costume. Probably uh... maybe a costume. A good understanding of the world that you're playing in. So, like, if you're playing in a Seventh Sea LARP, you should probably have a fairly decent understanding of that world. If you're playing in Worlds of Darkness, a fairly good understanding of that one. Old or new? Right. But if it's something you've never heard of, you know, don't be afraid to say, okay, what's kind of the background here? What are we going for? And so kind of prepare yourself okay. for that. That's good advice. Um, I've also found that uh, uh, if, if you can't put together a full costume or you know, if you're financially strapped or just having trouble finding the pieces, finding one good prop gets you pretty far. Oh, um, yes. Uh, getting like a particular hat or a, a scepter or, or something tangible that people can immediately recognize you're playing that character and also get you into that mindset very quickly um, really, really, really helps, especially for newer players because yeah. it also becomes almost kind of like a, a, a like like a Dumbo's feather in a lot of ways. Like when I'm playing, when I'm holding this, I'm playing my character and it helps with confidence issues as you're starting to play. Yeah, anything you can swagger or gesticulate with is a great thing to have. <laughs> you know, e- e- even if it's as simple as just like a handkerchief and you can wipe your brow and wave the handkerchief around to, to make a dramatic point. I would say the the other thing, you know, the other thing to 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 get is friends. You know, if you're having a good time, I bet you know people that would have a good time at at a LARP as well. You know, so you know, bring them along. You can you know coordinate your characters in groups because you know you you and your friends know your boundaries and what you're comfortable with more so than you know the boundaries of all the other other players who you maybe only see at the LARPing events. So when you bring friends, you can use the knowledge of each other's boundaries to do so much more within the context of the game. So what what are what LARPs are out there? Like if I want to join a LARP, uh what am I looking at? Well there there are lots of uh there are lots of like uh boffer and live combat LARPs out there. There's there's you know uh, Amped Guard, things like that. There's also Darkon. Dagger Hair. 
actually a post-apocalyptic LARP that's gotten very, very popular that has uh, groups pr- cropping up all over the country called Dystopia Rising. Yeah, and so like th- those those are you know if if you're if you're looking for something that you can like you know play with a big group once a month that's very physically active, you know, those are those are great things to to go uh, to go with. Uh, beyond that, you know, it's it's all about what your local gamers are organizing. So you know, well, isn't there? Aren't there some organizations like the Camarilla that are? Uh... Yeah. Um. Well, at, it, the cameras reorganized. Uh. It's the the U.S. version is now called Mind's Eye Society. Um. And there's a umbrella Camarilla fan clubs. Uh, associated with them. Uh, so there's one in Canada, there's one in the UK, uh, and there's a couple other that are forming in other countries. And then there's also Underground Theater, uh, which is a newer organization that's also under the Camarilla umbrella, but they focus exclusively on Vampire the Masquerade and the newest rules. Uh, and then there's uh, One World by Night, which has uh, had the same continuity for well over a decade. They use the classic Minds at Theater rules, classic Vampire the Masquerade setting. Right. Um, and those are all interconnected games, so they have uh, uh, games all over the world that play and interact with the same characters, the same chronicles. Uh, th- each of those is distinct chronicles, but inside those organizations, they have the same chronicle. Right. And uh, if I remember right, there was uh, some kind of controversy about one of the big organizations and White Wolf having a big disagreement um, I think it had yeah, to do with the uh, re- reorganization of the uh, World of Darkness and things of that nature. Uh, they wanted uh, like affiliate fees or something if they were charging money. Oh, that yeah. Um, so <laughs> that was before, a before my time. So let's put that out there. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, there was a brief moment where um, uh, White Wolf uh, required all the organizations to uh, charge, and then that was take a month later was was rescinded. Uh, what I find interesting and it's actually. Tell us a slightly different point. Uh, is that was ten years ago, and people still talk about it like it was it happened last week. <laughs> because memories are long in the live action community. It's like you know, yeah, this guy pissed me off at a game once. Like that was ninety seven, man. Let it go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I've, yeah. I've been to actually when I talk about you know like the, those negative early LARPing experiences. I went played in LARPs where one person made a character specifically to murder a character played by another player who dicked yep. them over five years previously. I'm making a <laughs> character called the Anti-Brian. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, so we talked about the Camarilla. We talked about these other places. Um, where uh, where can I go on the web to probably you know find a LARP? You know that's tricky because there there actually used to be a website I think it was called uh, called LARP List that in in, in the early two thousands was actually a frequently updated like listing of local LARP groups all across the world and it was a great resource until about two thousand five or so and and then it kind of started falling behind so I I would say. The best, the best place to look, figure out, figure out, you know, if, if you want to play a LARP that's based on some sort of established game setting, go to the website of the publisher for that setting and just start asking around on the forums. Uh, I, I done a lot of Cthulhu, uh, Call of Cthulhu LARPing, and that's, uh, the way we used to drum up players. We would go onto the Chaosium website, we would go onto yogsathoth.com, and we would just start really trumpeting that, you know, we are going to be in the following place and the following date, and we're looking for players for a LARP, and we would actually get a, a good number of people through that. Well, what about conventions? If there's like a local convention in your area, wouldn't that also be a good place to go look? See oh, absolutely. if they have a LARP? Mm-hmm. Okay. Jen, Jen Con's my favorite place to go play LARPs. Yeah, uh, and also I'm, I was just looking now because uh, I was going through quickly while we were talking, um, and some of the old sites that I knew are now down. But it looks like the new one just started called LARPing, 
LARPing.org, L-A-R-P-I-N-G.org, and it looks like they're fairly new and have uh, a LARP directory established, so that may be a new resource to start looking into. Awesome. Well, thank you guys. That's, that's a lot of really great knowledge. So now we've talked about, like, if I want to go play a LARP. What if I want to start a LARP? What are some things I need to keep in mind? Um, first of all, what kind of rule system are you going to use? Um, there's a lot out there. Champions Live, Worlds of Darkness. I'm sure everybody's kind of made up their own. Isn't there like a Star Wars one and a Star Trek one as well? There there was a Star Wars one that was published by West End Games that uh, uh, back in, I think, the late 80s, early 90s that tied in with their tabletop rule system. Uh, it's very, very tricky to find, but if you can find it, it's actually a very complete rule system. Okay. So the next thing is your setting. What do you want to do? Do you want to do a murder mystery? Do you actually want to do a Doctor Who adventure? So setting up your setting and your story, and then, of course, you need to find people who would be interested in playing. Where do I find players? I would say find find LARPers in your community that, that aren't being served by whatever's going on, because you might... You might not have any LARPs going on in your community, so the LARP you want to start may be the only game in town, or you might have, like, there there might be already a good Mind's Eye Society presence, but there might be lots of people who want to LARP but just aren't that into Mind's Eye Society. I'm, I'm a, a big advocate for finding the people who aren't being served by, served well by the LARPs and the venues that are already in place. And also, there are a fair number of LARPers who also just really like trying lots of different games. Like, I know most of the people that I play with were playing in three or four different games, usually at one, you know, not simultaneously, but I mean, you know, three or four concurrent games. So, uh, uh, also finding existing LARPers who are just, hey, I like to, I still like my Mind's Eye Society LARP, whatever, but I also want to play in a Wild West LARP or what have you. So, let's say I want to start, I don't know, Lady Windermere's fan plus zombies. <laughs> what are some potential pitfalls that I should watch out for? Well, one thing I would say right off the bat, decide whether this is going to be just a one-shot LARP event, whether your LARP is going to be self-contained for the evening when it takes place, or whether you want this to be something, a continuing game that people are going to come back to, you know, every two weeks, every month, what have you. That, because that's vastly going to affect the kind of prep and the kind of logistics that you're going to need to do. Okay. So, so I'd ask you: Is is Lady is Lady Windermere plus zombies? Is that going to be just a one-off event, or is would you like that to be like a full chronicle? Well, I just, you know, for the sake of argument, let's say it's a full chronicle. It's an epic tale. <laughs> all, all right, then, then, th- th- and this I've seen this hold back so many long-running LARPs. And this is regardless of whether people are going to make their characters on their own or whether they're going to start out with pre-made characters, but. Absolutely make sure there are characters who want things and want to do things. Uh, there's, there's, you know, nothing worse than a room full of characters that don't have any motivation or goals. And so you just get a room full of people glaring at each other. <laughs> and, and everyone's just standing there waiting for someone else to interact with them. And half the time when someone else does interact with them, since they have no goals to work towards or that the other person can keep them from working towards. Like, n- nothing happens. Nothing builds. It's just a bunch of people going, well, what about this? No. What about this? No. And nothing happens. Or making yeah. out, right, Eddie? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, another thing also, a Chronicle-style LARP, is still plan it uh, as a slightly larger scale one-shot LARP. So the, you know, if you have 
story arcs of uh, three months or six months, or, or even if you want to go for a year, having even smaller arcs inside of that, it really helps because nothing's worse than uh, getting full steam on a LARP and then a bunch of people bow out or a storyteller gets sick or whatever and it kind of just peters off. But if there's some kind of closure at, at distinct points, people feel like they're making momentum and getting, getting somewhere, um, then it's easier to transition to a new storyteller or to bring new players in or to make slight changes to the Chronicle at certain kind of distinct points. So even if you're playing for a long period of time, still think like a convention or a one-shot LARP whenever possible because it really helps to keep uh, momentum going when people feel like they have short victories to go towards opposed to just, it's now, you know, week 19 of this interminable zombie apocalypse. <laughs> and we still haven't left the camp. Right, exactly. <laughs> My fan is still stuck in the war. There are certain types of players who uh, just really like to spoil things for other people. How do you deal, if, if you're running a LARP, how do you deal with problem players? Make them your villains. <laughs> oh, that's an interesting idea. <laughs> yeah, uh, one one thing, and this how you do this will depend on on the system. But one thing that we have uh, done at Kettlefish Productions to prevent power gamers from being a problem is uh, that the way our the way our characters are built is that no is that any character, no matter how badass you try to make them, can be trumped by at least two other characters. So. The way the way our game the way our characters are designed, it is impossible to build an invincible, untouchable, universally badass characters. If you can hit really hard, you probably can't take a hit that hard, or maybe you're slow. You know, we we always try to try to rig things so that n- nobody nobody can make a character that allows them to just wade into any situation and dominate. There's always someone who can outclass you in some area. Yeah, but it's not always the character sheet, though, right? Like, sometimes you can have a player who's just really good at making alliances, or maybe you sometimes have a player who's just really, really, really good at, like, running stories right off the rails. Well, for that, you just, you just have to be flexible. Uh, one, one thing that, that I always keep in my mind is that yes is always a more interesting answer than no. So when a player comes up to me with a completely game derailing thing and they want to know if it'll work or if I'll allow it, most of the time, I will say yes. Now, that yes might come with a condition, like I, this This will happen, this will work if you can do X. But the only reason I put in that X is to give me breathing room to think around what they want to do while they're trying to do it. And also, uh, a, a different tangent, it sometimes depends on why the players are being problematic. I actually uh, have uh, this entire presentation I, I've done called Your Game Sucks, which actually explores different <laughs> play styles of live-action games. And sometimes uh, it's board players or players who have a mismatched play style to the aggregate play of the rest of the game. Uh, to use one of your examples, uh, the guy who takes the stories off the rails, it, that may be a player who really enjoys solving problems, and he's not seeing any problems that he finds enjoyable, so he's creating the kinds of problems that he thinks other people would have fun with. Sometimes people are sincerely assholes and you have to deal with that, but sometimes they're just misdiagnosed, or they can't articulate why they're not having fun, and so they try to make fun in whatever ways that seems to make sense for them. One other possible issue uh, is like cliques, right? Where you have groups of people who just want to play with each other and they won't allow anybody to kind of join their little circles. That happens in LARPs, doesn't it? That's one thing I've heard a lot about is people who would try to get into LARPs, but it would be like a 20, 30, 40 person LARP. But the six people who started it four years ago are the only ones who ever get any good plot lines because they're all close friends because they are the ones who started it. 
Do you guys, is there any way to curtail that that you guys know about? Well, actually. Or is it, or do you ever experience it even, or is it just urban legend? Or something? <laughs> no, it totally happens. It absolutely happens. Um, and I've seen it happen with the LARPs. Um, unfortunately, the only two ways I found to deal with it are to point it out to people, because sometimes it's just, you know, a comfort issue. They don't, they don't realize that they're excluding other people, and they're just ignorant of the fact that people aren't feeling like they can be included, and the other option is just find a different game, because sometimes those get so bad that burn it with fire is all they can really solve it. I mean, it's, people sometimes get that entrenched, and there's no shifting out of it. But a lot of these problems overall... Um, I found are usually best done with by just uh, uh, open and uh, polite and honest conversation because these are really relationship problems in a lot of ways. Um, these are these are people having conflict problems and it, it's it's on a fundamental level no different than you have a problem with a coworker or you have a problem with your boss or you have a problem with uh, someone at school um, and it's the same kinds of problems but because we have under this veneer of it's supposed to be fun we don't think that it's okay for us to actually say hey what you're doing bothers me we, you know I, this makes me feel bad but it's it is the, uh, a live action game we talked before it's based on fictional conflict but you know. The, the flip side is that the players need to have as minimal conflict as possible, and they need to be able to out of character articulate and resolve those conflicts so they can go back to focusing on the fun, interesting in-game conflicts. So, Eddie, would you say, well, and I would address this actually to uh, Tammy as well, would you guys say that it's probably wise in that case then when you're starting a LARP to have some kind of social contract right up front that tells people, you know, exactly what to expect and how to if and, and and what they need to do if they encounter you know a problem. Well, I think if having everybody on the on the same page and saying, okay, yes, we want to have fun, and if we're not having fun, we all have to have a comfort comfort level that says, you know, we need to say we're not having fun. Let's resolve this. Um, I wouldn't necessarily call it a contract because that sounds so formal, but you know, as with any gaming group. You know, you want everybody to be able to interact and have fun and then be able to say, well, wait a minute, I'm not having fun because of, and is there some way we can work out to where we all can have fun? Right. I agree. Uh, uh, certainly a couple things that I found have worked in the past is uh, a simple code of conduct. It's a little less formal than a social contract, but it's basically the same thing, which is, you know, these are things that we expect players to do when they're protecting themselves, and that also covers things like the safety issues, don't freak the norms, those kinds of other elements. But also, uh, uh, having, especially for longer chronicles, uh, having town hall meetings every once in a while, like every few months, uh, getting everyone together, you know, having a, a beer, and pizza, a or idea. whatever, and just say, okay, let's, we're, we're, we're not together for games, because we're going to talk as players, uh, air our concerns, and talk as a group how we can solve those problems, and make it very much a community discussion rather than the three or four people at the top making all the decisions. Everyone's involved in the conversation because a lot of times the three or four people at the top don't realize there's some stuff that's simmering in the bottom, or there's this wildly perceived concerns that all the players see and the storytellers are just not realizing is there. So by having those town halls, it really helps to make sure everyone's kind of part of the solution as well as just complaining. All right, so I'm going to ask. Uh, let's let's add. Let's uh, you know, get to the back end of this discussion and, and bring it up on a high note. I'm going to ask, what do you guys find rewarding about playing LARPs? And I want to start with uh, William Thrasher. Well, I guess it just gets me really jazzed up. Uh, no matter how big, crazy, or stressful running a LARP is, I always have more energy at the end of a LARP than I had at the beginning of the LARP. I, I just like it's it's just this great kind of 
you know, emotional gaming high that I really, really enjoy. And then beyond that, you know, I've, I've always had this kind of little rascals, come on, gang, let's put on a show attitude. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 and that's, and, and, and that's how I really see, you know, LARPing. It's like, you know, we're, we're putting on a show. It's just, it's not a show for an audience. It's a show for each other. And I love facilitating that kind of fun. You know, I love, I love, you know, looking at a room full of people having a great time and knowing that I've done things that have helped make that great time happen. Okay. Uh, Tammy, what's what do you find rewarding about playing LARPs? Well, one, I get to dress up, which I always love doing, and then two, I get to to act, which I also like doing that I don't always get a good chance to do. So, it's a chance to just go beyond wearing a nifty costume and actually have a character with a motivation and a personality that I get to bring to life. Okay. Uh Mr. Webb for me, it's a couple of things. Um, the answer I tell everybody is that I met my wife at a live action game, and uh, that was the best thing that ever happened to me, especially if she's listening to this. So um, that's the main reason why I really enjoy LARP. But aside from that, um, uh, the other thing that I really like is it allows me to kind of brain hack myself in a way. I can, uh, If I find that there's something that I don't like about myself or if there's a part of my uh, uh, personality that I want to explore or darker side of my life that I'm having problems with, live action allows me to explore that in a completely safe way and come to terms with that. Um, a good example is uh, last year um, my uncle uh, passed away uh, He uh, from drinking too much. He, he was an alcoholic and uh, he basically reached the unfortunate ends of that particular road. Sorry to hear and that. That bothered me for a while. I, I had a very uncomfortable relationship with uh, with drugs and alcohol, and so I actually played a recovering addict. Um, and uh, I'm still playing that character, actually, but it, it's, it's really helped me to, by doing the things I wish he had done, it helps me to come to terms with what happens. Um, and so live action is a really fantastic way to take those kinds of frustrating experiences where you can't have any closure or you can't really address them and, and actually dig into those things in a way that your, your friends can be a part of it and help with in a way. So you're saying it's kind of a, a healthy way to you know work through some things that might be bothering you, that kind of a thing. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, I know a lot of people ha- have done that as well. And then, frankly, a lot of the most interesting characters I've played up against have been people who I found out afterwards there was some piece of them that they were trying to work through through that character, whether they knew it or not. Um, and usually that's where a lot of the more compelling, uh, uh, engaging characters come from is there's a small piece of the uh, player themselves inside of that. Well, I'm gonna, you know, somebody's been really, really quiet this whole discussion, so I'm going to ask Daryl. <laughs> you know, having having heard all the the, the experts kind of tell us about LARPs and, and what it means to LARP and everything like that, has it changed anything about the way that you view LARPs or maybe given you more encouragement to try LARPing again sometime? Before we started recording this episode, there was probably no way I would have ever tried it again. Absolutely no way, shape, or form. It didn't interest me. I'm willing to give it a shot now. All right. Because the way, <laughs> the way you guys talked about it, it... it it seems like a lot of what you're saying addresses a lot of the concerns I had about how live action role playing happens. Uh, and I think it may have been just that one really sour experience when I was young playing with a bunch of other people who were not mature enough to possibly understand the sort of social dynamics that were going on. I think I might have a lot more fun now as, as I'm older. Well, you know, something I realized is that, uh, the, the negative experiences that I had and that I've been, you know, sort of holding on to when, when Will was talking, I think, you know, I, I realized that's been 11 years 
<laughs> and I think, was it Will who said, you know, that was 10 years ago, man, or was that Eddie? Okay. Yeah. So yeah, it's for, thank you, Eddie. So it's been, it's been 11 years and I'm like, you know, maybe, uh, maybe that's the problem is I'm, I'm looking at this, you know, through I a was, different decade, right? I was still a, I was still a teenager. This was 1990s wow. when this was going on. So, so yeah, I, I would have to say, I agree with Daryl, uh, you know, coming into this, um, LARPing just really isn't, I, I have to say, it's just never really been my thing. Um, but I've always looked at it from the, from the perspective of that looks cool. Those people are having fun. I've always thought maybe that would be something that I would really, really enjoy. And I think having, you know, listened to you guys tonight, uh, I have to say I, I'm also more encouraged. I, I think probably the thing I would want to do most is probably get into one of, uh, Will's kettle of fish games well, and see you. how that goes. <laughs> me too. Me too. <laughs> Well, if he says if he says yes to any crazy idea, then we're going to have a lot of fun. <laughs> oh, no. Well, I mean, if if you are interested, I am running many, 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 many LARPs at Gen Con this year. Fading Suns, Warhammer 40K, Star Wars. We you will be able to pick a fantastic game. Well, 40K is kind of where my heart is, so I might give that a shot. If you got something, uh, you got like a rogue trader I can play or something. Maybe we'll work it out. Indeed, I do. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we'll have to check that out for sure, but. Um, on behalf of Daryl and myself, I want to extend our, our grateful thanks to all of you guys, Will Thrasher, Eddie Webb, and Tammy Keys, for joining us on the show tonight. Let's ask you guys for your final thoughts on LARPs. Um, who wants to go first? I think the, the one thing you have to keep in mind with a LARP is just like with any role-playing game, there are those really, really good ones, and there can also be those really, really bad ones. But Generally, the good ones outweigh the bad ones, and you just got to keep trying. Don't give up is what you're saying. Yep. All right. Yeah, and, you know, you know, jumping off of that, I all, whenever I explain tabletop gaming, uh, tabletop role-playing, or LARPing to anybody, and they ask, well, what do you do? And I, I always give the same answer. You can do anything you want except ruin someone else's good time. And... So, you know, that's, that's, you know, I take, I, you know, bring, bring that into the LARP, you know, uh, what, do whatever you want to do, but, you know, keep in mind that there are other players and, you know, make sure that they're going to get as big a kick out of what you're doing as you are. Because the, you know, if they, if they enjoy the game just as much as you do, then they're going to keep coming back and they're going to keep having a great crowd to play with. Absolutely. Um, uh, one of the things that uh, I always go back to is, uh, in professional wrestling, of all things, uh, there's a concept called selling, which is that, uh, the person who's booked to lose the match has to make the other person look as powerful and as dangerous as possible. Um, and the same thing is true in live action. The more that you're willing to sell and make other people look good, the more fun everyone's going to have, and the more they're going to do that for you down the road when you want to have a really cool moment. Um, so it's one of those uh, games where it, it actually benefits you in the long run to try to lose a little bit um, because it helps everyone have a really good time. And if you're willing to wrap your head around that, I think a lot of people would have a lot more fun. Wow, that's a really, really good piece of advice. I like that a lot. Thanks, Eddie. I, I will have to remember that for sure. So now we're going to close out the podcast by just telling, uh, asking you guys about your latest thing, where we can find you on the interwebs. Uh, Tammy, I know you're not a writer, but um, you are on the cover of Widening Gyre, aren't you? Um, yes. The female character on Widening Gyre that has the big gun is my character, Savannah LeBlanc, from um, Bill's first run of that. 
Um, so that was our friend Curtis's rendition of her, and the other character is Thackeray, played by our friend Michael. So I got to be on the cover, at least partially. And you can find Whitening Gyre at uh, Blackworm Games. Yep, and soon to be released in Savage Worlds. Right. Um, do you have a website or anything uh, for your uh, for your stuff, or can we just look for you at uh, GenCon's events? Usually I'm just at the conventions. I don't have a website. You can find me on Travels with the Bunny in costume. So. All right. Now you're running you're running games at Gen Con as well this year. What are you running? Um, uh, Gen Con I'm not going to be at this year, oh, but okay. um, I'm going to be at Conclave of Gamers and Tacticon. And you're running what at those two? Doctor Who Adventures in Time and Time and Space, and talking about games for the next generation. Okay. Uh, thank you very much, Tammy. Thank you. So, Mr. Thrasher, what's your latest thing, and where can we find you on the interwebs? The latest thing would be uh, the new Pathfinder player companion, People of the River. Uh, that should be out by the end of the month. That's the most recent thing uh, that uh, that I've done, that people will be able to pick up their friendly local game store, which I, and I hardly encourage you to do. I'm a big supporter of the local game store. Uh, and then as far as where you can find my stuff online, uh, I've got a blog that I keep on d-infinity.net, which is also where uh, the D-Infinity Live video podcast is kept. I actually just uh, posted a piece called 10 House Rules from a Fed-Up GM, which was actually based on some observations Observations I made at the last convention where I was running games, and it's just kind of a sort of a free reeling, wheeling rant about player and GM etiquette. Cool. Uh, and you're also just one more time to recap: you're uh, freelancing for Paizo, and you're also working for Skirmisher Publishing. Uh, that and is where- correct. Where can we find Skirmisher Publishing at? Uh, you can find, uh, you can go to www.skirmisher.com. You can also search for Skirmisher Publishing LLC on drivethroughrpg.com. Uh, I think my most, most recent release through them, uh, are is the, uh, Jester Dragons Random Brothel Generator. It's wow. a, uh, it's a <laughs> book. It's a, it's a system agnostic book that's all just random tables for building randomized brothels for fantasy or, and modern campaign settings. You know, uh, you can randomly generate your brothel's name, how many people work there, what their clientele base is like, whether the brothel is a front for some sort of sinister organization. Uh, there's, uh, and also just for, for people who like this kind of thing, there is also a random sex act generator. <laughs> you, you roll on this chart and it gives you the name of a random sex act. Wow. And how much it costs. Uh, actually, it's pay what you want. <laughs> so I mean, I, I certainly encourage you to pay as much as you can, but it's pay what you want, you know. So I'm sure, I'm sure you can figure out a fair price. Well, I got to tell you, what I'm really sort of in the mood for is a girl with green eyes. <laughs> Boy, howdy, that's sure go for that. <laughs> Chinese girl no come with green eyes. <laughs> I just rewatched that movie. <laughs> oh, I love how we all just automatically got that quote. Uh, it was awesome. <laughs> Uh, do you believe that's one of Ross's favorite movies? It is, absolutely is. All right, uh, Mr. Webb. So my uh, latest written thing was uh, I wrote a short story in the uh, Changing Breeds anthology for uh, Werewolf the Apocalypse. Um, the story is called uh, Anuisha Walks Into a Bar, and it pretty much goes downhill from there. Lots <laughs> of comic hijinks and beating up on the worm. My, my uh, latest uh, development work uh, is coming out I think the next couple of weeks, 
um, should be Rites of the Blood for Vampire the Masquerade, which covers uh, uh, blood magic, mysticism, and other kinds of strange and weird parts of the Vampire the Masquerade universe. Now, just to be clear, are you're a freelancer for Onyx Path, or are you part of their, like, you're actually employed by them? I'm, I'm a freelancer. Okay. Onyx Path only has a couple of full-time employees. It used to be just one guy, Rich Thomas, and he's recently expanded to a couple of employees. Uh, uh, he gives me a lot of freelance work, and he used to be my boss back at White Wolf, so we have a very strong relationship, and I'm very heavily involved with them, but I'm actually still just a freelancer. Okay. I will be at uh, Gen Con this year. Um, I'll be doing lots of panels and working at the Onyx Path booths because they suckered me into working for them. I'll also be a special guest at Nashville by Night, September 18th through 21st, and that is going to be, it's a World Darkness convention uh, that's put together by uh, Mind's Eye Society and has a lot of different live-action organizations as well as uh, tabletop gaming, and I believe Vampire the Eternal Struggle will be there, but I'm not 100% sure on that. And then also I'll be on the Dark Waters Cruise, um, which is a cruise-slash-live-action convention. Oh, wow. Um, Are there pirates? Uh, <laughs> Uh, I don't know yet. I have not gotten the complete list yet. But there may be pirates. Um, they've asked me to run a game, so I may run a game about pirates. I don't know yet. Dude, um, pirates of dark water? It's you, you got to do it. it. It's an obvious thing. I mean, you know. <laughs> I got to ask: uh, Do they still need GMs on that cruise? <laughs> <laughs> I am for hire. You know, just pointing that out. Well, if you want to know, um, uh, I have all the information on my website, eddyfate.com, um, and I also have some of the uh, LARP, uh, like my presentation I mentioned, uh, Your Game Sucks, and some of my other LARP theory and advice is actually on there as well. You know, Eddie, I got to say, uh, Vampire the Masquerade 20th Anniversary Edition was a pretty outstanding book. Thank you very much. So, so great work on that. And uh, it's, it's actually really exciting to hear that Onyx Path is going to have a booth at Gen Con because uh, it's fair to say that the World of Darkness has been absent conspicuously from that gathering for uh, too long. Yes, uh, and it, it, past years has been kind of uh, lumped in with the drive-through booth, but uh, this time Onyx Pass can have its own booth. I don't think we're they're quite to the stage of you know throwing the lavish parties like we they used to. But, <laughs> oh yeah, the infamous um, White Wolf parties. Oh right. indeed. I mean, Maybe someday we'll get back to there, but uh, uh, certainly uh, it'll be nice to have like you know, a little booth for ourselves. So we can we can talk about the world's darkness. We can talk about Exalted. We can talk about the other stuff, new stuff that Onyx Path's bringing. Um, in fact, uh, I've already in the process of pitching a brand new fantasy game to uh, Rich that Onyx Path may produce. So uh, we'll see how that pans out. Fantastic. And I just want to point out that uh, in terms of parties right now, you do have some competition because the skirmisher guys put on one hell of a. a I know. I went there last year, and it was, it was actually really good. Oh, oh I, sweet. I think, they're, oh, nice. I think they're a good spiritual successor for the, the White Wolf Party. Uh, the one at Comic-Palooza was legendary. So. Really? Oh, yeah. I'm going to tell Mike he's going to be thrilled. <laughs> Multiple doctors <laughs> showed up to the Comic-Palooza one. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Okay, so uh, that's pretty. That's going to bring us to the end of the show for the night. Thanks again to Eddie Webb, Tammy Keys, and William Thrasher for joining us here on the Gamer's Tavern. And until next time, may all your hits be crits. Hi, this is Nick Jaworski, and you may not realize it or probably don't care, but I edit some of the shows here on the Gamers Tavern Podcast Network. If you like podcasts but love audio editing, then I have great news for you. I have my own show titled One Degree of Separation, and you can listen to it right now and subscribe at OneDegreeWithNick.com. The show is kind of hard to describe. Each episode is basically an experiment that contains original music, stories, interviews. It's probably just best if I quickly show you some recent episodes. Try to see what you had, if you had anything interesting for me. Well, uh, have you ever 
is actually a story of Abraham Lincoln, a very superstitious man, seeing his own doppelganger multiple times over a couple of nights. When looking in the mirror, he saw two faces, his normal face and then a pale, ghostly one that that worried him. I have to get back to editing right now, but you should go check out all of that and more at OneDegreeWithNick.com. Thanks. Thanks.